Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Rashmore Conley Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into here on a Thursday, so let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, the man who knows everything about the Lakers, Ray Morality. Ray, how are you? You're giving me too much credit here, Rush. I don't know everything, but I will try my best. Well, listen, my friend, you've been covering them for quite some time. And so I need mm-hmm. to come to you when I need to make sense of what I'm watching. You do such an amazing job with your recaps. You bring a little bit of humor uh, to it. And I think we kind of need that because a lot of Lakers fans are frustrated by what they're seeing on this current road trip, uh, Ray. But, you know, listen, I, I think you can excuse maybe the first uh, game on the road against Orlando, one point loss to the Magic. I'm sorry, one point loss to the Heat. It happens to get blown out in the fashion that they did last night to the Houston Rockets. Uh, that one, um, I, I don't n- know what to say about that. Um, put into context, uh, what happened during that game? <laughs> yeah, so the Rockets beat them by 34 points. The Lakers <laughs> never led. The Rockets are a young team that's not really supposed to do anything this season, yet they've won their fourth straight game. Uh, Ime Udoka's done a very good job basically reining them in because they were a young and reckless team last year. Um, and I think the Lakers, even if they're, if they're missing Anthony Davis, uh, Jackson Hayes, I mean, LeBron James is still there, but yeah. I think what's happening right now is that the Lakers think they're too cool for this right now. <laughs> You see the effort there. Like, there's not much effort. It's like they don't care about the regular season that gets to the playoffs right now, but they need to be good in the regular season to get to the playoffs, right? Well, because, right, you know, the problem with that mentality is, I mean, you're talking about a team that a year ago, you know, at the trade deadline, post trade deadline, was the 10th seed, you know, so they weren't even in playoff uh, contention. Uh, and then they got into the plan play play in tournament. Um, no, I mean, they, they were even worse than 10th. So yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the fact that they're kind of cruising along, um, I know it's early in the season, but I, I mean, I really thought that they would ride the wave of momentum following the last season where they go on this amazing run, following the trade deadline, they win the first round series against Memphis, they upset the Warriors in round two and uh, get to the Western Conference Finals. And just the way they started this season has been surprising. Um, Beyond the guys being hurt, again, and some key players did not play. Well, what have you seen from this team that that has you concerned? Because again, I want to preface this by saying it's early. Yes, we get it. But is there something that you're seeing uh, throughout this these these games and this road trip that has you concerned? Uh, two things. Uh, first, I mentioned on Twitter, formerly known as Twitter X yeah. now, I guess. But um, they get slow starts. Like this is their sixth game, sixth time in eight 
games that they have been down double digits in the first quarter. You just can't do that against any professional basketball team. And you don't really want in a position where you have to keep catching up and then you just run out of energy by the time you get to the end. So that that's a uh, that's a concern. And also, they had trouble with this last year too. Second chance points. I mean, just do the basics. Just box someone out or something because they just keep getting uh, out-rebounded on the defensive end or more likely the offensive end, really, because um, they just keep ha- having more possessions than the Lakers. And that's what's destroying them right now. This road trip, I mean, you know, it, it, it came uh, pretty quickly in the season. They have not won on the road, which is, you know, again, that's that's another concerning thing that, you know, when you go on the road, not that not 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 that they need to go on this a streak, but they have not won a single road game this season. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a concern? Again, it's early, but I mean, you could, you'd like the ability to go on the road and win a game here or there. By the way, same same thing is happening with the Clippers, and we'll touch on them shortly. But um, what um, what is the reason for that? And again, I mean, they've they've suffered a couple of blowouts here too. Yeah, I mean, the, the same attitude, basically. I mean, you can go ahead and uh, say that, yeah, they're missing players. Uh, they'll just go as far as Anthony Davis will take them. But also, like, as much as we've said that, yes, uh, LeBron, Austin Reeves, uh, Anthony Davis are all there, in a way, it's also kind of a new team because they just got most of these guys uh, mid-season, and then they add in Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes, Gabe Vincent. So they're still trying to get uh, the ke- that chemistry going, and I think that's been a bit of an underrated uh, aspect that we really haven't seen. Uh, we haven't talked about this year. Like, there's a lot of new guys. What this is their it? first full year. Well, yeah. Cool. I mean, I, I think I think the the the, the two things that that, that was uh, talked about a ton was the con- continuity of the core group, which I do think was key. Again, a lot of the core key guys that that helped them go on this run were brought back. Again, you had your core group of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but then you uh, bring back DeAndre Russell and Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura, and you go down the list of guys who really helped them. What is concerning is maybe some of the newer guys, and again, keep having to preface, this is just the beginning of the season, but was there a player that they brought on that you thought would be a bigger factor and has not played a role so far? You mean who's doing better than... Or, or not as good. I mean, again, I think everyone that they brought on was, like, hyped. I mean, they had this, like, offseason that was thought of as, like, one of the best offseasons in the league. And it, I, I agreed with that, by the way. And so, again, we're only a few games in. But, you know, is there someone that you thought would be a bit, would play a bigger role than they have so far? I, I don't think it can just be uh, – it could just come down to one player. Yeah. But we all thought they were going to become a good three-point shooting team, and they clearly have not been. Yeah, <laughs> they are last in three point shooting at the before the Houston game, and they didn't do pretty well. They didn't do well at all against the Rockets. So, because we all thought, oh man, this might be a team that could shoot really well with uh, Rui and Gabe Vincent and uh, D'Angelo Austin is getting better, but right now they're below thirty percent in three point shooting, and we have harped about this for years, like decades even, where yeah. you go to the Lakers. That's where shooters go to die. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it, it hasn't been a good start. As far as, uh, uh, I thought Gabe Vincent would shoot better. He shot yeah. well in the playoffs last season. Uh, he's he's out right now, so we can't uh, evaluate yeah. him further. Um, I thought who's doing better than I thought who's going to be is uh, Christian Wood. Uh, yeah. Although this game he was scoreless. <laughs> but he, but 
I think people tend to overlook his uh, defense because he's actually, if you saw him play against the Lakers last season, he was blocking everybody. Uh, and people think he's just a one-dimensional player. I disagree. He's actually a really good player. He just has to be motivated. So he's so, doing better. So um, with D. Davis being out, I mean, do you have any sense? Again, we're, we're kind of just going off of what the uh, team is saying, and they're away from home right now. But I mean, I mean, do you do you get a sense that uh, this will be a lingering thing? Will he be out for a while, or is this a short-term thing? They did say he's day to day on the last report, so hopefully he'll be back by Friday. But if he's out for, say, a month or two, oh, like, man. we're going to go back on that right that we went last year. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, if he's out for an extended period of time, I mean, that's 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 the concern. And, you know, and Ray, at the beginning of the season, when Darvin Ham talked about putting LeBron on a minutes restriction, I kind of looked at that and said, well, we'll see what the season, uh, we'll see what unfolds in the season. Because, you know, the fact of the matter is, the matter is if Davis is out, if if a few players are out. And listen, when they beat the Clippers, I would argue that half of their top eight players were not playing. Um, you know, LeBron has to play more. Generally speaking, if either like KD is out or a ton of their like other guys are not playing, then like LeBron's going to have to play more. And my concern is shoot, like I thought th- that that this was going to have to happen at some point in the season, not like three games into the season. So, you know, LeBron goes from being on a minutes restriction first game of the season to right now he's playing way more than he should. Is that a concern to you? Of course it is. He's like 88 years old. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I know I know it's early in the season, but the the, the fact that he's playing, what, 35 minutes a game at yeah. age thirty nine. That's his real age, guys. Twenty uh, first <laughs> season. Like, who has played that many minutes that late into their career? Honestly, yeah. and not many players have made it to twenty one years in the NBA. Like, I can think of Vince Carter and Kevin Willis and Robert Parrish, and that's probably about it. Like, yeah, it never happens. So this, what he's doing, is remarkable. And yes, I know modern medication is better now, and <laughs> technology is better now. Everyone's healthier, stuff like that. But even still, what he's doing is impressive and also probably not good for the team. Not good for him. Not good for his health. He cannot play 35 minutes consistently. There's no way. Ray, your, your thoughts watching him night in and night out doing what he's doing? Because, you know, back in the day, you know, when you would see a player, and again, they're not all like LeBron. He is, you know, quote unquote, you know, and he hates this phrase, but, you know, he's a unicorn. Um, you know, <laughs> you would you would just be happy that the guy was like putting on his jersey and got some run. I mean, like, like I mean, like the, the, the picture that went viral uh, first uh, home game of the season where he's basically like jumping out of the gym. Um, your thoughts watching him night in and night out doing what he does. It's it's remarkable, honestly. Like, if you say he's the GOAT, I'm not going to argue with you because what he's doing is, it just seems insane, impossible. And at, at 39 years old, at 21 years in the league, again, who's done this? Who's lasted in the, in, in the league this long? You know, we yeah, that picture of him. Uh, trying to get the ball from, uh, trying to intercept the ball from Kevin Durant was also like yeah. amazing. Like how? I, I mean, I know he spends a lot on his body and he spends a lot on his health, but even still, all of that, just the fact that he's still doing what he's doing, I keep harping on this. Age thirty nine, year twenty one. How? No, and it's just amazing. No. But at the same time, the Lakers cannot absolutely depend on him being no. that guy. 
because again, age 39, you're 21. You got to go, you got to go to Davis. But like I said, the Lakers only go as far as uh, Anthony Davis goes. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, and I, and I hate to see it happen because I think Davis is when he's healthy. And I'm not going out on a limb here because we've seen it time and time again. When he is healthy, he's one of the best players in the league. He's a top 10 player. I mean, but, but that consistency has not been there. I mean, he's usually, um, he gets hurt during the course of the season. So, you know, with him, it's not a load management thing. It's just at some point he's going to strain his hip or his groin or his knee or his foot or something's going to happen. And it's unfortunate because I think fans would love for him to like carry that torch to, you know, like LeBron wants to pass the baton to him. He wants to pass the torch to him. I mean, to be honest, he wanted to do that from day one when he wanted to give him his Jersey number. I mean, he's basically like, listen, I'm not at the beginning of my career. I get it. So, like, this is the guy. And, like, KD has never, you know, embraced that role. And I think he, he'd, he'd like to, but the, I don't know whether it's not in his personality or obviously he gets hurt. Um, all right, so let's let's just switch gears and talk about the other team in Los Angeles. And, I, and you know, it's, it's hard for Laker fans to be um, happy about the state of the Clippers when they're kind of struggling themselves. But... You know, two games post the uh, James Harden trade, Ray, uh, they have looked lost. They're 0-2. I think that was to be expected when you bring in a player like James Harden. He's not going to just, you know, uh, you know, he's not a piece of the puzzle that is going to fit in seamlessly. It's going to take time. But your thoughts on the uh, Clippers so far? They're, they're so hard to predict yeah. because we've seen this. <laughs> the, they, the, the farthest they got was the West Finals. At yep. in twenty one, and that was without Kawhi Leonard, yeah, uh, playing uh, halfway through the playoffs. But um, yeah, it's gonna take time. But we also gotta realize that okay, Kawhi Leonard, as much as sure he'd like to play more, but there's a reason why he's on load management. Like he, he has a de- de- degenerative knee, and <laughs> that knee's just not gonna get any better uh, as he play as he plays some more as he gets older. Uh, Paul George is still great. Uh, Russell Westbrook. I mean, we've seen we've seen him <laughs> play with the Lakers. Uh, like, he, yeah, he he'll he'll have the moxie, but he's not always going to be there. Yeah. And James Harden is trying to play to sh- play to shape, and that's always hard. We've seen Shaq do that, and that yeah. wasn't a great result. So, um, yeah, um, it's hard to trust them the way they've been going. And um, yeah, they're a deep team, and yeah, at times they look like the best NBA team in the league, but. It's just hard to trust them right now. You know, that's. I think that's been the most frustrating thing. If you're a Clippers fan, and why I thought that it was a trade that you kind of have to roll the dice, is that it is so frustrating. Um, again, during the course of the season, if they want to do load management, things like that, that that's fine. I, I personally don't care. But it, you know, the issue is, as you mentioned, in 2021 they got to the Western Conference without Kawhi. Paul George played amazing, but they lost. Again, if they had both guys, maybe that they maybe they get to their first finals, and maybe they win the whole thing. Anyways, in 2022, no Kawhi, no Paul George. In 2023, no Paul George. Kawhi plays game one. He looks amazing, and then he's out for the, the, the postseason. And so, like, they've never had both guys healthy. And so if you're the Clippers, you're like, well, shoot, like, I mean, you know, we're probably going to not have one of these guys, so let's just bring on James Harden. Your thoughts on the kind of the precarious position the Clippers are in right now, because all of these guys are technically 
in the last year of their deals, I, I do think they'll they'll find a way and, you know, they'll uh, bring back Kawhi and they'll bring back Paul George. I definitely think that they want to go into their new home, the Intuit Dome, with some star power. So um, I don't think all four of these guys will be back. But uh, your thoughts on the, 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 um, the position the Clippers are in right now in their last year at Staples slash crypto before they go into their brand new home? It is all or nothing. Yeah. That's all I really got because um, they've got all in on Paul, George, and Kawhi. And, like, they just they just can't per- rebuild per se. And we know the Clippers have been rebuilding forever before Blake Griffin got there and Chris Paul got there. So, yeah. um, I don't think they want to go back to that again. So, they're going to try to ride this as long as possible. And if, and if this year is the last season, well, so be it, I guess. But, like, I do agree with you that they'll probably be back... Uh, George and Leonard for next season, but as it st- as it stands right now, they're just gonna go ride until the wheels fall off. I guess. Right. I mean, do you think it helps them at all as they're trying to build a new fan base? As they're trying to really plant, you know, more solid roots in Los Angeles. You know, because when Steve Ballmer bought them, there was this feeling like, is he going to move them to Seattle? I mean, obviously not. They're building this beautiful two billion dollar arena here in Los Angeles. I mean, the fact that they have four of the best players to be born in Los Angeles. Um, does that help them? Is that just a fun fact? I mean, th- does it help them that they have these four guys here? I think it's a fun fact. I don't think it's anything more than it is, honestly, because like, I mean, you'll probably you'll agree with this one, but LA is a Laker town. Yeah. And um, it, even if the Clippers go on, maybe if the Clippers go on a three-peat or something like that, then maybe they'll, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, but, it's just, it's just a Laker town, but at the same time, yeah, there are there are a lot of Clipper fans now. Like, um, you know, they're 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 growing. They grew up watching Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, uh, Lob City Clippers, basically. So, um, they're gaining that fan base, but I just don't think they're gonna overtake the Lakers anytime soon. Right, it's a great point because when I was on the Clippers beat during that Lob City time period, I mean, the one thing that that I said was like, I think a. You, I mean, it goes without saying, you have to win a championship. But B, to your point, you kind of have to win, like, more than one. And that's such a high bar. I mean, generally speaking, with most franchises in the league, I mean, the Denver Nuggets are so happy that they finally have one championship. And so it'd be so weird to say, well, that's nice and all, but you kind of have to win two or, or three. But when you're in Los Angeles, it is important. So, like, the worst thing that happened with the Clippers is they had this amazing team that was very good top five team in the league, but they weren't a top two team or even a top four team. I mean, during that run with Blake, Chris, DeAndre, that crew, they never got to the conference finals. And so, you know, the one year that they did, as you said, in 21 with Paul George, they lost. And it's like, this isn't a city that embraces a team that goes to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, just just think of the Lakers last season, Ray, and how bad they were f- through the first half of the season. That team got to the Western Conference Finals. So, um, yes. I mean, how how important is it? And I think I already like answered my question, but I just want you to touch on, um, you know, the importance of, of in this town. You have to win. You got to win the the whole thing. Not just be successful. Not just win fifty games, but you got to win a championship. What can I say? LA is spoiled. <laughs> like, right. I mean, ever, ever like in the last go back the last uh, since Magic got here, right? Like that's what twelve championships for the yeah. Lakers. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And the Clippers, we touched on this. Like they only got to the Western Conference Finals once. 
Yeah. You know, they're not going to pay attention to that. You know what I mean? Even the spark went on a repeat and you know, that got, a, that got a lot of pub too. So yeah, we, we like winners here in Los Angeles and unfortunately for the Clippers, they haven't done that just yet. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's one of, you know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why it's going to be fantastic for them to have their own home. But I, I mean, I think it's this constant reminder, you know, when they, you know, for the past 20 plus years, sharing state staple center with the Kings who've won two Stanley cups with the sparks who've won three, the, the, the WNBA championships with the Lakers who've won 17 championships. I mean, they're the only team that doesn't have a championship in that building. So I think when they go into their own building, I think that they could do something nice for, you know, for their history. And again, I mean, it, you know, I, it, this isn't a joke, but like, you know, you know, you can celebrate your Pacific division titles and you can celebrate the great um, players and, and, and things like that. It's hard for them to do that at um, crypto.com. And so, you know, now, now that they're going to get their own home, hopefully they, 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 they can do that. I mean, I personally think it's great when, when both teams are good and we have a great game like we did um, this season so far. Ray, you're the best. We're going to have you back on soon as the, the season progresses to talk about the team. We're going to leave it there for now. And when we come back, we'll be joined by the Sporting Tribune's Grant Molina to talk about the Clippers when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears... We create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. And joining us once again, the man, the myth, the legend, Grant Money Mona. Grant, I I, I had to have you back on because I'm watching uh, the game last night in Brooklyn. Um, man, uh, the Nets were missing a ton of players as well. Um the, the the most staggering thing, and I, and I'm and I'm making statements before I just like ask you a question. Like like the Clippers couldn't score either, which I mean I, I thought at the very least this, this team wouldn't have a problem scoring. Okay, great, great. You're you're watching that game last night, uh, Nets Clippers. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it just it looked again like the game before against the Knicks. There was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of disjointedness, if that's even a word. I'm going to make it a word because that's what it <laughs> looks like. Um, the Clippers just look like a team, and I've mentioned this in the articles that I've I've written, is that they just look like a team that was just thrown together. And that's kind of what it is, Arash. I, I, I mentioned this last night when I wrote the article, is that 
uh, you know, there is a lot of continuity coming out of training camp, a lot of uh, tenacity, a lot of, you know, I guess you could say intensity and tenacity would two two of the biggest words, but there's a lot of focus, I guess you could say, coming out of training camp and preseason and especially into that early part of the season. I mean, they were blowing out teams like San Antonio and, mm-hmm. and Portland. I know that they're low teams, but they're blowing them out in convincing fashion. Uh and as soon as the James Harden duo with him and Russell Westbrook came about. I know Paul, Paul George and Kawhi are part of that, but as soon as those two came together in that starting lineup, it just seems like Russell Westbrook turned into a completely different player. And he looks like a completely different player on the court in terms of not knowing really what his role was with, with Kawhi and Paul George and Robert Covington in that starting lineup with Avica Zubats before this trade, Russell Westbrook was playing out of his mind. I think he was averaging, I think, 16 points a game. Um, he was limiting his turnovers. He was getting out in, in pace and transition. And now, you know, it just seems like nobody knows what the role is. And that's that's to be expected. It's the second game, right, uh, of this whole tenure, this duo, this era, I guess, whatever you want to call it. And when you lose critical guys like Nico Batum and Robert Covington, who are solid parts of the rotation, not just this year, but Batum has been a solid part of the rotation for the past couple years when you lose those connectors this is what kind of happens and against the nets it was another fourth quarter just disaster i guess you could say they had seven turnovers again in that fourth quarter um even in the first three quarters it didn't really look smooth the first i'd say five possessions looked smooth uh, in terms of getting guys involved and and there was a lot of passing around and guys knew where they were going to be after that, Arash, there was nothing really that I can point to and say that they did something really well. There was a stretch where James Harden looked like the James Harden that the Clipper fans wanted to see, where he had back-to-back buckets and he was, you know, dribble tweening and crossing over and scoring. That's, you know, what I'd like to see from Harden. But Harden so far, if we're looking at it from his perspective, he's not really looking to score at all yet. And I think that was the biggest thing for him coming into this lineup is that, yes, he can distribute. And, yes, he led the league in assists last year. But I think his scoring is is really important to this team, especially now that you don't really know who to go to. James Harden is kind of the guy that can just bail you out. And I'm just not really seeing any of that yet. Yes, it's two games in. We're all overreacting. That's what we do in the yeah, NBA. Yeah. That's what the media does. We overreact. But there are some things they can point to and just be a little bit concerned in terms of what it's going to look like in another month. You know, Ty Lue gave it 10 games. I don't know if you can give it 10 games because it hasn't looked even the slightest bit of good yet, Arash. <laughs> so, I mean, you, br- you brought up a phrase that's very triggering for a, f- a lot of fans of the Los Angeles Lakers. You said Russell Westbrook doesn't know what his role is, and um, that's concerning. And I, um, that's why I agree with you. When when I was in the press conference room in New York, when Ty Lue said 10 games, and by the way, he said it very quickly. You know, it was sort of like this generic question as a reporter that you have to bring up. I mean, how long do you – he said 10. Yeah, I mean, very quickly, he said 10 games. So that's, that's, that, that's, that's the number he has. I agree that's too many because I think you pretty have a good sense right now in terms of role. Why do you think that 10 is too much? I mean, because again, it it is a long season. We're just at the beginning of the season. But why do you think he can't let this continue? If if, if, if this continues, right? Like if, if this goes on for two more games, why does he have to change things? Uh, it's just that the league is way more talented now. I mean, yeah. I've, I've mentioned this so much. I, I know I sound like a broken record, but it's actually true. Like yeah. 
you you just saw the Brooklyn Nets without Cam Thomas and without, I guess you could say, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, all the stars <laughs> that they had last year. They didn't really have anybody except the bench and Miles Brid- and Macau Bridges. So, and you still lose in the fashion that you did. That's why I, I say that it's urgent now. The reason why the Clippers were in a play-in type scenario last year where they were edging that play-in tournament and they were the 5-6 seed and everyone was jumbled together is because they didn't take it serious in the first 10 to 20 games. And the Denver Nuggets did. And those teams at the top did. The Sacramento Kings did last year. And we're seeing it again this year. The Nuggets and the Warriors and the Mavericks, they're all taking advantage of this easier schedule. Look, the Clippers have played an easier schedule in the first seven games and they're still three and four. And that's that's a little bit of a concern. I know there's a, a kind of a new team here, um, but you know, coming out of training camp in the preseason, if you told me they were going to be three and four in the first seven, I'd say it's a huge disaster. Now, obviously, yeah. things have changed, but the league as a whole—I mean, we just saw the Lakers last night lose to the Rockets by thirty plus points. <laughs> yeah, even even the Rockets are a team that you have to look out for. It's not going to be easy game in and game out, and. That's why I think that 10-game sample size, that may be too much. You have to look at inserting maybe Terrence Mann in the starting lineup. He came back last night, and that's a big help for them. But in terms of the 10-game sample size, that's what he said last year in terms of getting PG and Kawhi together, and it never really established. I think you need to be a little bit more urgent now if you're Ty Lue. So you brought up a great point that, you know, th- th- this team really came together uh, in the summer. Uh, they went to Vegas. It was a players-only thing. It, it, it wasn't a, a team thing. Looked good in training camp, looked good in the preseason. Um, and then when you make a move like this, it's almost like you reset not only the roster and the starting lineup, but a, a lot of the camaraderie and, you know, can this team gel? Um can they get back to the team that you really liked a lot at the beginning of the season? Because here's here's the other thing. With Plumlee likely out for some time, um, they're going to have to make some more moves, Grant. I mean, this team, and again, you, you, you had mentioned that it, it'll probably look different post-trade deadline. It's, it may be a, a really, not completely different, but it may be a vastly different team just 10 games into the season. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you in, in terms of they need to make a move now. Um, and, you know, the, the, the issue before the Harden trade was the, the size and the length and the and the depth at those positions. And, you know, they're thankful that, that Mason Plumlee avoided a major injury. It's not season-ending. It's probably a, a month or two. That's good. Um, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's an MCL sprain in his left knee, and, it, you know, he's going to be reevaluated soon to, to see how – how uh, severe that is, but it's not season ending. And that's a good thing, but he's going to be out for a lengthy period of time. And this team, when you trade away wing depth and Robert Covington looked really good in that lineup for them. I know Marcus Morris didn't get any playing time, but Nico Batum was also really good and he's playing good for the Sixers now. So for this Clipper team, you were already thin at the center position. Now Plumlee's out. Are you going to put P.J. Tucker at the five? He's going to get mauled by some of the size that some of these Western teams have. They have to make a move here soon, either bringing up a guy like Musa Diabate, who they drafted, or signing a veteran. They need to make some type of move to kind of fortify that power forward center position before it's too late because the West is a bigger conference. You have teams like Denver and the Lakers and the Suns who have size. The Mavericks have size now with Derek Lively. 
it's not a team that you can this isn't a team that you can just play small ball all the time like you did last year you need a backup five and you need some depth at that power forward position it's going to look a lot different i know i said in february but arash like you said it's probably gonna have to have to happen sooner i mean they're gonna have to at, at least insert a guy like kobe brown who they drafted 30th overall in this year's draft he's looked pretty good in the preseason in a few short stints just try something else. You can't just keep going back to these same guys. Look, Bones Highland last night didn't even play in the second half. It's kind of weird how they're, they're just, I know they're testing things out, but it's a little bit weird how the dynamic is right now where a guy like Bones Highland, who's been scoring in double digits, doesn't even get playing time. I know they call him Tinkering Ty Lu, but <laughs> at this point in this type of season, you need to start playing and coaching with a sense of urgency as well. Grant, you have to give up players to get players, and you have to make you know the contracts work or whatnot. But when the James Harden deal happened, your first thing was, man, I, I, I you hated that they gave up Covington, and now, um, I mean, I think that that's a player that you'll you'll probably follow first as long as he's he's in the league. A little bit similar to Shea Gilgis Alexander, I think you knew that he would he would be a star again. If you're going to get Paul George, you have to give up something. You're going to give, but right. uh, why did the loss of Covington hurt so much? I just think that you know, even like you know, Arash, you know, I've I've been talking about this in different group chats for a long time. <laughs> is that Robert Covington was just the best perimeter defender on the Clippers, mm-hmm. and that's a team that includes Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Amazing. And he, when he was inserted into that starting lineup this year, he looked fat. He just looked fabulous. I mean, he was getting his hands in passing lanes. He was deflecting everything. He was playing great defense on bigs. Um, he was active on D. De- I mean, that was the the element that I wanted to see them play last year, and he didn't even get that much playing time last year and not just that he was a fan favorite nico batum was a fan favorite those are two guys that are connectors they really connected the power forwards and the guards and that's what they don't have right now they don't have that guy to connect the team defensively maybe pj tucker he actually looked good last night but he's really on the other side of of what he has been with the rockets and with the sixers so Losing two guys in Batum and Covington, sure, on the court, it, it looks a lot different. But I think off the court is what hurts the most because, you know, everyone in L.A. loved Nico Batum and everyone yeah. in L.A. loved Robert Covington. They embraced him and kind of revived their careers. They've said it themselves. That's kind of what hurts the most. But now we're just seeing it on the court. Nico Batum's performing great in Philly. Yeah. Robert Covington, I know he's not getting a lot of minutes, but they are their plus minuses are off the charts right now. So those two guys... I know you get hardened in that, but it, it remains to be seen. I don't like the fact that they traded away those two guys. I'm going to hold off because it's still early, but it just doesn't really look good right now when you need that wing depth. Yeah, I mean, it, it, th- that was sort of like the thing that really stuck out about it. Um, okay, I, I, I teased this in segment one when I had Ray Moraldi on to talk about the Lakers. I said, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the only a good thing if you're a fan of the Clippers is that the Lakers are struggling. If you're a Lakers fan, the only good thing is that the Clippers are struggling. As you're watching the Lakers get blown out by Houston and, you know, previously on this road trip, again, by the way, both both teams, granted, we, we've touched on this before with the Clippers, but by the way, both teams have not won on the road. They, they, they have only won on their home court. Um, what have you seen from the Lakers? I mean, is this, uh, is again, they're not 100% healthy. I get it, but you can't get blown out by Houston like that. 
Yeah, just the Lakers just seem, I don't know, it's not really disjointed like I see the Clippers. I just think it's just guys underperforming right now. I mean, mm-hmm. and they've been injured a lot more than the Clippers, The which is crazy because usually it's the Clippers yeah. on that end. Yeah. Uh, but the Lakers, I mean, Rui Hachimura has been out of the lineup. Gabe Vincent's been out of the lineup. Anthony Davis now was out last night against the Rockets, and that was a big hurt to them because he's a, a dominant presence inside for a team that loves to play inside with Alperin Shangun, all those kind of guys guys but on the road it, they just they don't get off to good starts Arash and their first quarter play I think is I, I don't know the exact stat but it's some of the worst in NBA history um, get in the first quarter for the Lakers and I don't know what you can chalk that up to maybe it's LeBron's pace and his age catching up to him I don't know if it's Anthony Davis trying to be a little bit too tedious it's trying to get Austin Reeves into motions and actions I don't know what it is because Austin Reeves has been off D'Angelo Russell at times has been off. He did pretty good last night, as well as Rui Hachimura. He did pretty good in his first game back. But there are just so many things that just feel like rotations aren't set and guys aren't in the right places. I mean, they ran a play for Cam Reddish to shoot a game-winning three a couple nights ago. That's not ideal. Usually it's Dennis Schroeder. Even if they threw it to D'Angelo Russell, I'd be probably pretty happy about that as a Laker fan. So. There's a lot of just rotation issues and things that I think can be cleaned up. There's a lot of heat on on Darvin Ham yet again, Arash. I know you cover it really closely. I just say give it a little bit more time. I know Laker fans and Clipper fans love to overreact to things, but I know it's concerning, but there are things that you can point to and say, okay, if we just make our shots, if we just clean up a little bit of the rotations, I don't think any major moves are needed right now for the Lakers because Anthony Davis is playing well when he's healthy. At least that's a good thing. As if you get guys going like like Austin Reeves, if you get, you know, Gabe Vincent back and he starts to play as he as good as he did in, with the Heat, there are some things to look forward to. You know, this isn't the end all be all. I know Laker fans love to do that, but you know, there is a little bit of concern, especially with that pace, like I mentioned, first quarter pace. It's not really looking good there. Maybe they bring in a guy like, you know, Gabe Vincent to start instead of Austin. I don't know what the dynamic is, is going to be, but even Darvin Ham himself said he needs to clean up the rotation. So with all the talent that they have, and that's what the problem with the Clippers, Clippers was last year, is that with all the problems and the rotations that you have, a lot of talent can be detrimental. And I think that's what's happening right now with the Lakers is that there's so much talent that you got to find time and minutes for guys. And, you know, it will be disjointed to begin, but I think that it'll work itself out. If you cut, you wave, you trade two for ones, whatever it may be. There's, there's still one of the most talented teams in the West. All right. And I have to bring this up because we were texting with our good friend, Brandon Deutsch, um, and who (laughs) couldn't join us, but he'll join us with his thoughts on this hire. Ron Washington back in the American League West, former manager of the Texas Rangers, was the, was the third base coach of the Atlanta Braves when they won the World Series. The Angels have hired him. Um, this is sort of their big uh, swing to keep Shohei Otani. This is the manager. Um, <laughs> listen, I actually like Ron. Uh, obviously, he's up there in in, in you know, generally when you make a big hire, you sign him to a long term deal. Obviously, they signed Ron to a, a two year contract here. Um, your thoughts on the hire? 
Yeah, I think it's a, a it's a decent high. I mean, it's not great. It's not going to yeah. move the needle exponentially for the for the Angels. You know, I think the main priority now, and it still has been, is Shohei Otani. I mean, I think everyone knows that the manager. You know, look, they've changed the manager so many times in the past three, four years that you know you can't really point to the manager being the issue. I know that Phil Nevin has issues, but he's a great guy, and Ron Washington is well renowned around baseball. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the best guys in baseball. He's turned Marcus Simeon, who just won a title his career into an all-star career i mean this guy was this was a guy that did not know how to play defense at all and turned him into a gold glove winner so mm. ron washington has that ability he took the rangers to the world series That's back right. in the early 2010 so this is a guy that has been there and kind of done that. i know they didn't win it but he got them there this is a guy that has been proven around the league as a bench coach third base coach infield coach and a manager so i see what the angels are doing i don't think it moves the needle a lot for them they still have a lot of young talent they have a great core the main priority now is what are they going to do with mike trout and Shohei otani and this ron washington hire doesn't really change that but i do like the move for them they needed a veteran guy in there a guy that's been in the big spots with great teams and turned guys around look the angels defense wasn't good last year i think he can really help in that aspect as mm -hmm. well so uh, it's a good hire, but I think they're just waiting on free agency and what's going to happen with their veterans right now as opposed to the manager. It's such a great point because, you know, when, when you're looking to hire a manager during such a critical season when Shohei Otani is, you know, obviously he's free to go where he wants. Mike Trout, depending on that move, could demand a trade. You, you didn't. What, at the very least, no matter what you think of Ron, they didn't bring sort of like this long-term guy. Like, they didn't bring in this guy that they've signed to a 10-year contract. Um, it's almost like a stopgap hire, which is kind of weird. Real quick, last two minutes, is there someone out there that they could have hired that they did not? You know, I think Buck Showalter would have been a pretty good option for them. I know that Buck Showalter had his issues and turmoil with the Mets. I yeah. know Mets fans probably don't really like him that much anymore. But look, Buck Showalter got them to a 100-win season just a few seasons ago. I guess you could call it last year. Um, he's still a really good coach. And I know that Ron Washington has been around the league a lot. and But Buck Showalter has been in the league for even longer, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. in terms of, of managing. So... I would look to him and, you know, they, they were mentioning guys like Darren Erstad and Torrey Hunter and old angels. I think you should still bring those guys in to be bench coaches. I think it would be a great thing to have Torrey Hunter get experience. Maybe after, like you said, that stopgap two years, you can convert Erstad or Tim Sandoval or excuse me, uh, Tim Sandman, Sandman yeah. or Torrey Hunter into a full-time manager. Those are the kind of things that you can do if you get those guys as bench coach because there's still great baseball minds around. Yeah. Let's not forget that those guys know ball. So uh, I, I agree. It's a stopgap thing, but they can still bring those guys in if they want to. And Grant, I remember covering uh, Trout when he first came into the league and Torrey Hunter was his vet. That was his mentor. And so I think if, I mean, I mean, he's just well respected around the league, around the franchise, and I think that would be fantastic. So, so we'll see how all that uh, plays out. Um, Grant, we'll have you back on uh, next week, my friend, to talk more uh, Clippers. And uh, this is the most interesting team to follow with Los Angeles. All right, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.